As movie fans know, the announcement of this year's Oscar nominations is just a few days away. But I, for one, already have my pick for Best Action Short. It's a domestic thriller called The Indiana General Assembly's 2016 Session, and it's sure to feature plenty of political chases, rhetorical shootouts, and pre-election explosions, not to mention an impossible-to-predict ending. The running time, just 10 weeks, intermission included, and its production budget? Well, that's to be determined. Hi, I'm John Chuanis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll preview the session with the leadership of the General Assembly's four legislative caucuses. First up, a scene setter from Christopher Ayers of WFYI Public Media. This session of the General Assembly might be the shorter of the legislature's annual meetings. Even so, there will be no shortage of business for lawmakers to consider. First, Indiana's standardized test, the I-STEP, has come under fire from all sides of late after reports of a substantial jump in the number of failing schools based on last year's scores. Now, accounts of unaddressed grading irregularities that could have led to inaccurately scored exams have the company contracted to grade the I-STEP, CTB McGraw-Hill, facing intense scrutiny. House Education Committee Chairman Bob Banning has already said he'll introduce legislation to unlink those scores from teacher pay. Lawmakers may also find themselves discussing tougher criminal sentencing guidelines. That's just two years after adopting a criminal code overhaul that was, in part, aimed at keeping some low-level offenders out of prison. Hoosier prosecutors are asking the Assembly to stiffen penalties for serious drug dealers, a proposal that's garnered initial support from both the governor and House Speaker. But the ideas also face skepticism from some on both sides of the aisle. The state's roads and bridges are sure to receive attention after a summer that saw one heavily trafficked stretch of interstate closed for a month due to an unsafe bridge. Governor Pence has proposed a four-year, billion-dollar infrastructure package that requires the legislature's okay, but Democrats say it would do too little, and some Republicans say it might cost too much. And if that weren't enough business to keep lawmakers busy, they'll return to the debate over religious liberties and LGBT rights. It'll be a sequel of sorts to last year's drama surrounding the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. That showdown nabbed national headlines, sparking threats of statewide boycotts and corporate relocations. It ended after an 11th-hour scramble to come up with a fix and to assure the gay community the law couldn't be used to discriminate. But the General Assembly will be under pressure this session from both advocacy groups and prominent business leaders to take that fix a step further. They want LGBT Hoosiers added as a protected class under Indiana's civil rights statute. Throw electoral politics into the mix ahead of November's election, and the March adjournment of this short session seems quite a long ways away. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Christopher Ayers. Thanks, Christopher. We'll be back in a moment with our weekly roundtable discussion, so grab some popcorn, then sit back and relax. Indiana lawmakers from the art house, I mean state house, to your house. Purdue startups speak modalities, helping children and families coping with nonverbal autism to develop communication skills, helping people changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. I'd like to think that this week's roundtable should come with a spoiler alert, because if anyone has a handle on how this session will unfold, it's my four guests. House Speaker Brian Bosma, an Indianapolis Republican, House Minority Leader Scott Pilath, a Michigan City Democrat, 
Senate Majority Leader Brant Hirschman, a Buck Creek Republican, and Senate Minority Leader Tim Lannan, an Anderson Democrat. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. You do this year after year, and, and I appreciate it, your willingness to uh, contribute to an informed citizenry. Uh, at the end of our discussions, though, you always chide me that I have not given you an opportunity to address whatever the one issue you most wanted to talk about. So we're going to change it up. What's the one issue we're going to go around that you want to see happen in this session? What's the one accomplishment that you, it'll be a disastrous failure if it doesn't happen? Well, on behalf of my colleagues, we don't complain. It was just perhaps, or chide, <laughs> it was perhaps just a comment. Uh, but uh, for, we for our it. team... It's always negative. Right, we put it in right. the most negative light So possible. for our team, it, clearly it's a comprehensive, responsible, sustainable road funding program. That's our number one goal. Uh, it's my hope we can get that done. Big challenges in that, in that it's, uh, it's an election year. It's, uh, it's a short session. But clearly it's needed. I think now is the time to do it rather than making it a campaign issue uh, after November. And comprehensive and sustainable could mean also tax increases, which you also mentioned the E-word, election coming up. Well, Hoosiers are in favor of uh, well-funded roads for the crossroads of America. I can tell you this both statistically and anecdotally. So uh, an, an indexing of our gas tax back to the 2002 uh, last time it was uh, it was raised would result in a four cent increase. My goal is to get the sales tax on gas responsibly into the motor vehicle highway fund and other road and bridge funding. You can't do that all at once or even uh, in, a, in a short period of time because it's a significant amount of money. But if we do it responsibly, we can make a long-term difference, not just over the next election cycle, but for the next generation. Something tells me we'll be returning to that uh, issue very soon. What's your uh, number one priority, Scott Pulaski? Well, certainly it's roads because there's a life and death component to roads. There's other things we care deeply about. We have to address them. They're important for our economic future. But that's the one that requires the remedial action. It's really, it, you know, I'm gratified to hear the, the speaker talk about moving some of the sales tax on gasoline. That's, that's, that's been my caucus's plan. Um, this is not an ideological issue. This is a practical matter. You don't want to move we, some. We, you want to move it all, right? I would like every, to. Every, I, I, your I would, contention is every bit of the sales I, tax on gas should I, go to this I would purpose. like to move it all. Now, we, all the caucuses have presented different plans. That's a good thing. That's a good start. Uh, they all have they all have merits. They've all engendered some criticisms. That's what one would expect. Um, saleability is important. I mean, the differences here is our assessments of what we think that people will bite off on, because it is going to entail a reinvestment of, of dollars. It's going to be an allocation of resources, and there's choices to be made. When you use the revenue for one thing, there's less revenue available for other things. That's okay. Decisions we make every day. I believe I can sell my plan. Um, I trust that the other caucus leaders think they can sell theirs, uh, and th that's, that's ultimately going to be uh, something for the people to weigh in on. Well, since the next person I'm going to point to is responsible for a bill that would free up $418 million in local option income tax money for local governments to use for roads and bridges, am I right in guessing that you too would say that that's the important issue this session? Uh, like Scott, I'm excited there's a unanimity of support with respect to infrastructure investments. Uh, there's different ways to do that, but I will be very pleased to see a, a plan come out that uh, particularly invests in local roads. The state's been able to make some historic investments in recent years. Uh, it's our opportunity to help locals make an investment in their roads and streets as well. But I think the other issue, since it hasn't been mentioned and there's a lot of uh, bipartisan agreement, is providing some relief on the I-STEP grades, uh, not only for parents and schools, but also for teachers. Uh, 
Obviously, we believe there's a role for some accountability, but if there's a problem in the system, I think we have an opportunity to address that in a meaningful and cooperative way. I step a different sort of bumpy road, I guess you could say, but still in the theme of infrastructure in a way. Round it out. Is it going to be uh, infrastructure the number one priority for you? or? Uh well, they've mentioned infrastructure, and uh, uh, Brent's mentioned ISTEP, but we need to amend our Civil Rights Act and to repair the damage that was done last year due to RIFRA. And we need to do it in a comprehensive fashion uh, to, to afford protection for uh, members of the LGBT community and to show to uh, the rest of the nation and the world that we are uh, we're open for business in the state of Indiana. It's important to our image as a state. It's important to our economy. And the citizens of Indiana are expecting us to take action on that. So I think that's a, a priority. It has to be mentioned. Uh, well, and we should act on it. And you say you want to address it in a comprehensive manner, and yet you probably have the, some would say, the shortest uh, version of language to get there. Four oh, words and a comma, basically, yeah, right? The, By adding uh, sexual orientation <laughs> and gender identity to the state civil rights act. That's exactly right. We've had a civil rights act in place, which has worked uh, well over the decades. There are communities in our uh, state which have had their own uh, human re uh, rights ordinances in place for uh, um, literally decades now. And they, when you look at those, they operate in a comprehensive fashion. They do take the approach of four words and a comma. And that sends the strongest message. Uh, the image of the state of Indiana, how people feel about discrimination in the state of Indiana is, I think, unfortunately, uh, at least certainly when I talk to people in the business community, uh, an open question. And we need, we need to foreclose that question. We need to pass comprehensive uh, legislation which protects people on that basis. Well, before we get back to roads and I-step, since Tim Lannan brought it up, let's uh, focus on this for just a moment. The Senate Republican Caucus, back on Organization Day, had come up with... Uh, what was viewed as a uh, described as a first crack at this attempt to try to, to the extent possible, please uh, everybody. I guess that's virtually impossible, as we've seen. And yet now, when the agenda of the caucus was put forth earlier this week, and you look at the easel, and here's number one, number two, wasn't on there. And the governor, of course, uh, has been silent on it as well. What happened? Did, where where well, did it go? Not, uh, not surprising. We have committed early on that we are going to have that discussion. Senator Lannon is a great communicator, great spokesman for his caucus, and also a great lawyer, and he knows it's a lot more difficult than four words and a comma on a number of grounds, both legal and cultural. And we're going to entertain that discussion, but there's no unanimity of opinion on this issue. Our caucus agenda uh, reflects the issues where we have very broad agreement. We know that this issue is going to have a, a variety of divergent viewpoints, and that's why it wasn't on the agenda, but we're committed to having so the it discussion. Does get a it does get a hearing. Absolutely. And, okay, and Brian Bosma, you've suggested that uh, you, know, you will require or hope for a civil discussion of whatever is put forth, but my sense is you'd be happy to let this maybe lie dormant this session. Is that, is that fair? Well, this, this is a difficult lift, and uh, the Senate uh, version of the bill is a good faith effort to try to balance two very strongly held Hoosier values. One, we don't like discrimination against any group in any form, and two, we highly value, we put a great premium on freedom of conscience and religious liberty. In fact, our state constitution is stronger in this regard than our federal constitution is. So Hoosiers are roughly divided on this issue, regardless of the, of the polls. We've polled this extensively. And, uh, and it's a difficult balance. Now, I, I would just posit that we have a little bit of a symbiosis right now where we have 18 uh, 
urban or suburban areas that are covered essentially with civil rights protection. It's about 42% of our state's population where, where local folks have decided it's important and then the rural the areas fact are not those, necessary. But the fact that this legislation, at least the first crack at it, would in fact supersede all of those local ordinances and throw those out, some of which go back to what, the early, Fort Wayne was 2002, something, something like that, like and that. others have yeah. been around. Yeah. That makes you uncomfortable? Well, not necessarily. I think if it can be adopted statewide, then a single, uh, a single civil rights uh, uh, reference is appropriate. I'm not sure it can be. It's just, it's a very difficult issue for Hoosiers to resolve. And it's very strongly held opinions on both sides. Any Good faith effort, if it comes over to, uh, from the uh, Senate. That was, my, that was we'll, my next question. If it comes we'll over have, from the Senate, does we'll it have get a discussion. A, and I've said does it. Does a discussion mean you get I've to hearing? It. It'll be up to a committee chairman, but I would suspect oh, it's always yes. up to the committee chairman, <laughs> well, right, Mr. Speaker? <laughs> no, honestly, I do empower my committee chairman. And if a committee chair says he wants to hear it, it will be. If he says he, he won't, and our caucus uh, doesn't override that, it, uh, it won't. But I suspect, I've pledged that if it comes over, we'll have the discussion, and it will be a civil discussion. Right, Scott Pilath, are you holding your breath on this one, uh, thinking it'll be over, uh, well, up for discussion? Look, you, you know, morally, ethically, philosophically, I'm in favor of the full protections. And uh, overwhelming number of uh, the House Democratic Caucus members are as well. You know, we think four words in the comma is the way to go. Um, there's... There's uh, side issues anytime you make any sort of a change, but it's one that the people of Indiana support now and will support in greater proportions in the future. I mean, the, the, the society has not only changed, it's changing still. Yeah. And it's becoming more in favor yeah. of these protections. Right. Um, I've tried to make the pitch to my majority colleagues across the aisle. Look, maybe you've got a lot of hesitation about this, Maybe it doesn't fit in with some of your long-standing beliefs. Maybe it's not exactly what you and your constituents have been talking about. But if you don't necessarily agree with it, at least think about embracing an end to the whole thing. I believe four, four words in a comma um, decisively puts an end to the issue here in Indiana. Uh, it, it gives us the image, which I think that we need to have, and I think it also does the right thing. But even if you don't buy those things... Consider having the ability to be able to talk about other stuff. And, and, and that, that's the pitch I've been making to my colleagues across the aisle. Get it done. Whether but, they want to get it done yeah. is but that ain't, that ain't happening, that. right? Because last time I checked, you two are in the supermajority, and whatever the opposite, you're in the right. super minority. I guess if that's a word. All I have, but, all I have is my my charismatic appeal to these folks. <laughs> and as strong is, as that is, I, is well, I do see yes. the senator nodding. So you agree with him? Is that he, he has a glow about it. <laughs> <laughs> I take it that the four words in a comma would be utterly unacceptable. Is that a starting point in this negotiation? Uh, I appreciate the sentiment, but it won't work legally. Uh, it is a more challenging issue than that, both in terms of the public debate, and we've seen that uh, particularly on the transgendered issues, but it's also more complicated than that legally. I think their four words in the comma bill is 12 pages long. But why does it work for people with other yeah. conditions of birth? That's right. And, and can, can I just Because say those other conditions uh, don't run into the same constitutional challenges that a First I, Amendment protection. Can I change the topic to something yeah. that is life or death and it's happening in our communities today, and that is methamphetamine and heroin. 
uh, scourge that we have going on here. Indiana is at the top of all the wrong lists. We, uh, for the last three years, bust, the number bust. one meth lab bust in the nation. And that's not because we have great law enforcement, which we do. It's because this is the manufacturing capital of the nation. So we are in general agreement, I think, that, that we have a problem, to do Just like on roads, there's, there's a problem. A problem. There's you, a number of approaches that have you been You want to proposed. make it a prescription medication. Though. I have that's said what personally got. that's one option that I support. Now, there are four that I've seen, and we're going to have a hearing on that in the House next week. Uh, there's a, a Senate proposal that's also in the House about essentially the, uh, the uh, pharmacist cross-examination, uh, the prescription, the prohib prohibition of drug felons from purchasing pseudoephedrine, which apparently has been, you know, Intuitively, I'd say, oh, they have, you know, somebody else get it for them. But apparently this has been effective uh, elsewhere. And then there's one that's prescription, but you get 30 days free every year without a prescription, not free. But you purchase it. So we've, we've got to address this. We've got to increase sentences for heavy drug traffickers, not the kid that's got, you know, it's trying to sell a gram to buy a but gram. these were the sentences that were just reduced. I know. Uh, after a lot of blood, sweat, I know, and but tears a We're, we're the crossroads ago. of America for legal economic activity. Unfortunately, that draws with it the crossroads of America for illegal economic activity as well. We've got to hit it hard. Speaker's right. I think they're, the exciting thing about this is there's a, a great deal of unanimity around this group and among the caucuses on what the top issues are. For us to debate them and try and distill down to a common solution, that's what they're doing our job. That's and right. uh, it's a healthy thing. Well, actually, the fact that you have uh, identified priorities in terms of pressing needs is, is in some ways a rarity uh, in terms of roads, but, in terms of but, the I-STEP concerns, in terms of the pseudo-federal. But I know they don't want to discuss it, but you can't duck this issue of what we're going to do about, our, about, about the Civil Rights Act. And uh, leadership needs to be shown on this. It's not being shown by the majority party is the fact of the matter. And it's just something that's not going to go away as much as somebody might want to wish it goes away. So we do need to, to deal with that. We need to deal with that in, a, in a, a comprehensive manner. If you want to talk about methamphetamine, that's fine. We should talk about that, and we should do that in a comprehensive manner as well. We tried all other, all, uh, other approaches. It seems to me we might as well, instead of being back here in another year or two years saying, well, that didn't work, we should make it a prescription drug. I agree with you, Brian, on that, by the way. Of course, I have a district which has one of the highest rates right. of meth uh, Absolutely. You know, abuse. So, so, so I get what you're saying, Tim, and I don't disagree that it's an important issue. This is the protected class status. But let's be honest. Nobody's losing their life because of this. There may be quality of life issues, but people are not living, losing their lives over this. They're losing their lives on highways that need improvement. Yep. It, it's a drag on our economy. People are losing hundreds we, we have personal friends, you, you mentioned, two, that have lost young adult, quality young people to heroin addiction. Well, we could do more than one thing year. at one time. We can deal with I, I that agree. important I issue agree. and but deal with You're going to see to it, I can tell that every yeah. juncture of the session. You can't let the, the one session, issue override all these other you, critical things you of, of life and death. Life and death, public safety. There were three gun bills uh, that are, uh, have been introduced that would basically roll back gun regulations. One would do away with permitting altogether. One would allow it on college campuses. Uh, the other would allow people with alcohol offenses to get, I mean, given what we're seeing nationally, is this somebody swimming up I, I've stream? got my pink permit in my wallet. Uh, I'm a concealed carry person, not now, uh, but, but I'm, Second Amendment, I am all over it. But I also support our current permitting system. So that's not going anywhere. It is not going Okay, anywhere. there's a little news. Yeah. Nobody goes there. Okay. <laughs> is that, you're comfortable with that? I mean, that's a Well, I, you know, I can, I can relate to the speaker on this. I'm a, I'm a gun owner myself um, and grew up with guns, 
um, like having a few of them and have always supported people's rights to, to bear arms within, you know, the limits that have been established. This is a little bit different, though. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked for a long time about no new gun laws, um, and that was broadly accepted in both parties here in Indiana, which has its, its <laughs> cultural attitudes towards firearms. But this is different. This attitude is, you know, this is getting to the point of forcing everyone to carry around a gun almost. I mean, right. that's, I don't think that that's what we want as a society. Well, I think this is a reflection of people's anger about activity at the federal level. And when they can't get the action that they believe in at the federal level, they look to their state legislators. Mm -hmm. And I know I've spoken to many people who are deeply troubled by the president's actions going right. around the traditional separation of powers and legal process and consulting with Congress on things. And so this is a natural societal pushback against what they think is a very dysfunctional system in Washington. But I agree 100% with that. That's we absolutely right. We don't, we don't want to do something irresponsible. One thing I do know is that guns and alcohol don't mix. And for there to be a bill out there that basically says we don't, we're not going to be concerned if the, about the fact that you had a DUI and that somehow that, that shouldn't have some relation to your ability to, to own a gun, to me that's just irresponsible. So I think, you know, I applaud you, Brian, if you're going to say those bills don't get a hearing. They, they don't deserve a hearing. There, there may be one that uh, is uh, another initiative about all, something we passed last year that allows uh, uh, rifle suppressors uh, for target practice and a permitting issue on that. It's, it's, more of a, it's more of a nuance than anything else. But a wholesale toss out of our current permitting system, that's not yeah. going to go anywhere. But, 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 but Senator Hurstman <clears throat> mentioned Washington, and we all have our own views about Washington not working and why it's not working. But somewhere along the line out there, they lost the ability to have reasonable discussions on right, the issue. Right. I don't know why that happened. You can point the finger any given direction. Sure, sure. But, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to abandon any attempt at a segue, a smooth segue here, and just go back to the, the taxation issue because that's certainly will, we're, this isn't a budget session. Wouldn't know it looking at some of the proposals, though, uh, in terms of road funding. Briefly, do we see it? Is there tolerance? Is there stomach for tax increase this session, especially with the elections looming? Let me tell you why I think it's important and why I think it can be done. Do it fast, though. Okay. Indexing tax, uh, the gas tax, four cents. If we do a cigarette tax, $1, offload Medicaid, more money available for roads. If we do it now, I'm prepared to say we don't need to have a tax increase. This is the guy that cut taxes along with others 19 times in the last 20 years. This would only invest in roads. And then we don't need to doing it this session. If that, I think it should be done before there, the election. Is there stomach for that? I mean, you. If the majority party and the governor takes the lead on raising taxes in regards to road funding, you know, we'll have a discussion for sure. But only after you remind them about the civil rights issue. It's, right? gonna, <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a tough sell. I'm it not is. gonna say an impossible sell. I do think it requires executive leadership, and I really mean that that's from a historical perspective, Mr. Speaker. But there are things that can be accomplished. Again, it comes down to what the people will bite off on. And Senator yeah. Hirschman, I'm guessing you're not don't have a stomach for taxes. Uh, it's gotta be very quick. Uh, that's where a rift perhaps. Uh, I would just say as with many groundbreaking initiatives, and this is very big, sometimes it takes a while to socialize the issue and have the debate necessary. For the Senate, it may take more than a short session to Understood. do. Understood. Understood. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your uh, you, being John. part of this conversation. Very enlightening as always. Again, my guests have been House Speaker Brian Bosma of Indianapolis, House Minority Leader Scott Pilath of Michigan City. Senate Minority Leader Brant Hirschman of Buck Creek, and Senate Min Minority Leader Tim Lannon of Anderson. On the next edition of Indiana Lawmakers, I'll sit down for my annual visit with Governor Mike Pence.
Wonder what we'll talk about. Time now for one of my favorite parts of the show, our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter, Indiana Legislative Insight. Ed, you heard him going around with their priorities. Tim Lannon says the civil rights issue is front and center. Will that be hanging over this session from start to finish? Well, not from start to finish, but certainly from the end of January through the finish. And I, th I think that you saw today that, that the leaders are all getting along. Everybody's talking about other issues and other priorities as well. We're going to see things getting done. You know, we've, we've been through this in the past where, where the leaders and some of the other members have, have not been quite as cordial in some of these roundtable discussions. And I think it bodes well for this year. And, and yes, the other things will happen, but this will be, you know, a, a big 40,000-foot kind of look uh, that's overhanging everything. And, of course, you do have some pretty prominent uh, backers of change. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce and a consortium of business and tech groups are going to say, we want this and we want it now. Are they going to get their way? Well, I think something will probably happen. You know, I think maybe Speaker Bosma is the only one who, who might hope that, that we go a little bit slower on all of this than anybody else. But I think you're going to get to the point where the, you've got so many different concepts and ideas at the beginning of the session, just like you've got on the, the roads and infrastructure issue and, and funding and different mechanisms and what should be done this year versus next year. I think you're going to come to some kind of consensus before the end of the session. And, and a big part of this will be you know, coming from what the governor says on Tuesday night in his State of the State address. It sounds as if the first thing that may get through would be the I-STEP uh, language that would say, hey, we're not going to hold schools accountable for bad I-STEP scores. We're not going to hold teachers accountable in terms of bonuses. That, that maybe gets through next to the desk by next week and to the governor's desk. That's the, that's the first thing. Absolutely, and it, it shows that you can come to agreement on, on some things if, if everybody wants to agree. And, and there are some things that are priorities for Hoosiers. Road funding, I think everybody agrees, is one of them. And it's just a matter of how to get there. On the I-STEP issue, they know that they've got to, to reach a, a certain kind of conclusion, do it quickly. They're going to do it. Very good. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate your insight. For more information, streaming episodes, and extra content, go to WFYI.org slash lawmakers. You can also visit us at WFYI on Facebook and Twitter. Use hashtag Indiana Lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity and Bright House Networks. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Schwannis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleagues Ed Feigenbaum and Christopher Ayers, I thank you for joining us. Until next week, take care. The Visual Analytics Law Enforcement Toolkit, or Valet, developed at Purdue University, brings critical data and analytics to police departments instantly, so officers are a step ahead of criminal activity. To learn more, visit otc-prf.org.